Join AIA's Clay Hall as he interviews guests who will share their successes and sometimes challenges that we can all learn from. We don't just dip our toes into the most important issues in the promotional products industry. We cannonball into them to help entrepreneurs grow and succeed in this ever-changing promotional products industry. Welcome to On Air with AIA. I'm Clay Hall, and today I'm honored to be with Paul Bellantone, the president and CEO of PPAI. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Clay. Thanks for inviting me. Hey, so first of all, before we jump into this, uh, how are you and your family doing? Everybody staying healthy and uh, doing okay? We are. Thanks for asking. Um, everybody's healthy and accounted for and, and you know, um, physical distancing and, and trying to play by the rules as much as we can. And maybe we can uh, lift this thing before it's too long. Yeah, gosh, let's uh, let's hope, right? It's uh, been a challenge. You know, the, the world has changed so much since you and I saw each other in February at our supplier summit in Chicago. Uh, and I was going to ask you what happened, but I think the better question, <laughs> what, what are, what are some of the biggest learnings and takeaways that, that you and the association have had since this all kind of happened and started? It's hard to believe that it was just February when we were together in Chicago. Um, and four months ago, and really the world has changed. We're just kind of a, a reflection of that change, our industry, how our industry has been impacted. If you remember back to um, February, this started out as a supply chain issue in some city in China that none of us had ever heard of, Wuhan, right? Um, we, we knew that it was going to affect supply chain. We talked to suppliers in the room about that, when we were going to get inventory. and now. By and large, for our industry, I, well, it's become a pandemic, a global pandemic. So it went from a virus in China affecting supply chain, global pandemic that's affected every one of us um, directly. I, I don't know if there's anybody who hasn't been affected directly. And then um, from a, an industry standpoint, it's really become a, a demand challenge, not a supply chain challenge that our customers by and large, are not in the market currently for promotional products. Um, so it's, it's changed everything about what we sell, how we sell it, who we sell it to, and um, you know, ultimately just trying to be reflective of what our customers need right now. So I, I can't play in any way um, tell you that I would have thought there would have been this 180 degree turn from February till now. There was just no way for, you couldn't even imagine it. I mean, really think about how it's affected every one of us. You know, at, at the end of the day, I, I remember it was um, Chris with um, Hub. He, he said something like, let's not forget that this is a health crisis. It's not just a supply chain crisis. And at the time that seemed very forward thinking. Um, you know, we were worried about product and, and we really didn't think about the impact that this would have on the health and well-being of our families and our friends and our colleagues. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, it, and it's so different from other situations we've gone through and other, you know, crises we've, we've faced as, as an industry, you know, because there's the social aspect along with the economic aspect, right? And I think that's what made, has made this so Ter terribly difficult for so many people with along with the, the health piece of it. 
Yeah, Clay, I, I kid around. I, I remember the good old days when we just had a, a recession. <laughs> like We all knew how to deal with the recession, right? We knew yeah. how long it was going to last. We knew we would get out of it. We know what we would look like on the other side. The, the back and forth nature of this um, pandemic and closings and openings and, and you know, it becoming politicized the way that it has is really yeah. like nothing else that I don't, that at least in our lifetimes, right? Maybe you have to go back to the early 1900s to have something even similar. Yeah. Well, and, and you touched on something there about, you know, the, the 180 degree change since, since we were together. What, what an incredible industry that we're in that is able to adapt and shift as to what people are buying. You know, the, the growth of PPE has been you know, significant in, in the industry. I think with a lot of people, though, they've really, at least what I've seen, they've struggled with that whole idea because it's not a branded product. It's not what they're familiar with and they don't feel comfortable with it. You know, what, what you're saying from the association's perspective. So, um, yeah, within that 180 degrees, I watched this industry at its best in a lot of ways. Um, I've always felt like we were incredibly um, resilient and entrepreneurial. Somebody, uh, a friend of mine coined it a scrappy. We're scrappy and we're entrepreneurial. And our industry's ability to pivot into PPE in order to, um, to serve our customers and keep their businesses afloat I think has been extraordinary. Um, and, and it really comes to the relationships that we built leading up to this. Um, I, I look at this and say, to be able to sell PPE to your customers, you, you have it's permission and it's confidence. And, and that's really what a relationship is about. It's about permission to have the conversation with someone and then the confidence to be able to deliver on it. And I think it's the longstanding relationships that our members, your, your um, owners, had with their customers that allowed them to fill that need at that time. Um, it's through the, the well-established supplier network um, that, that's allowed us to, to deliver that with confidence. So, um, you know, do I think that PPE is going to be uh, the future of our industry, I think it will be, I, no, the answer is no, but I do think that it will be embedded within the healthcare type products that we already sell. Um, you know, I was looking at a, a chart that I get from Sage, uh, you know, a search tool provider. And in May of 2019, in, in the top five product searches. It was bags, shirts, pens, mugs, and bottles. Today it's masks, bags, sanitizers. And then in that top 10 is also decals and signs. Four of those things weren't even in the top 10 last year. Masks, sanitizers, decals, and signs. But they were all part of our industry already. And I think that our, our your owners, our members um, have had the ability to pivot, overused word right now, um, be resilient and and serve their customers in ways that their customers need to be served, the products they needed. You know, I, I think the, the decorating of those things, of the masks, of the sanitizers, you know, the, the logoed 
will ultimately be where our industry lands. I don't know that you know blank PPE equipment is our future, but I do think that those things will get um, absorbed into our decorated product offerings. Yeah, and you know, thinking about that, we're already thinking about holiday. Uh, your branded certainly will play a big role in, in some of those PPE categories. Right. You look at some of the um, the categories that we've dropped in. So um, lanyards, towels were both in the top ten last year. Clearly, the the beach pool um, summer purchasing. Now this is May searches. Yeah. Um, the beach and pool are kind of closed down. The meetings have closed down. Hospitality's closed down. So those things that you would normally see in hospitality meetings and events have dropped off. But the get back to business with the decals and the signs have been a growth area for us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, shifting and, and adapting. And I know the association has, has had to adapt and shift as well as this has played out. And the association made the decision to waive registration fees for certification. So tell me about what led to that, that decision and how that played out. Well, for, for us, it was probably one of the simpler decisions that we made over the past month. And we actually made that decision, I think, within 30 days of the initial kind of shutdown, which I think was about March 15th or so. You know, what we wanted to do is remove obstacles um, for people to engage with the association. And we knew from history that um, the, some of the obstacles that people had to education and to certification were time and money. And we recognized that time probably wouldn't be the issue right now. And we took away, time took care of itself. The pandemic took care of that. We took care of the money part of it. And I have to tell you, the response we've gotten from our members on this is probably, it is unlike nothing that I've, um, I've experienced in my 20 years with the association, the amount of people who actually took uh, advantage of it in that first month, we had more people registering for education and certification. Uh, so that would have been like April through April 1st through May. We had more people register and complete their certification than we did in the entirety of 2019. So, wow. um, yeah, and, and, you know, we, and actually anybody who's listening to this, you have until, uh, the end of this month to start it up for free. You don't have to finish it this month, obviously. You just need to register and sign up for it. And and I and I would offer up to you, Clay, that if anybody's listening to this probably for the next 30 days, have them get in touch with us and let them know let them um say that they they heard it on this podcast and, and we'll extend that offer out. So for if you're listening to this, we're giving in you until um the end of July. Perfect. I, I appreciate that very much, Paul. That's uh, very gracious. Uh, you know, some other things that, that have uh, come out of this, I, I read, was reading recently that um, PPAI has joined some other trade organizations in going to the federal government uh, due to the economic crisis and in, in in asking for help there. Tell me more about those efforts and, and what outcome you expect there. Yeah, Clay, it's, it's been a uh, tactic that we've developed over the years. When it comes to um, so just a, a little bit of history. We've we've always been engaged in um, legislative activities, regulatory activities, 
I'm a lobbyist. We have two other lobbyists on staff. We have a lobbyist in DC. So when we lobby directly, it's really about the power of promotional products, um, where we know that in our industry better than anyone else. We talk about the value of imprinted items. When we, when we go to DC, we show them things that actually make a difference um, to people's lives that are using promotional products, whether it be a home, the address of a, a homeless shelter on a blanket or a, you know, a battered women's shelter on uh, nail files. And, you know, we try to, we try to hit them emotionally and say, Hey, we, we support the programs that you support with promotional products. We also remind them, Hey, those things that got you elected, that's us too. The signs and the balloons and the banners and, and those things. Um, but when it comes to broader economic issues, we tend to join coalitions with other organizations. So I am the chairman of SBLC, which is the Small Business Legislative Council. Uh, it's, a, it's a coalition of about 50 trade associations that look like PPAI, that have small business members. And you know there, there are just commonalities that small businesses have regardless of what industry they're in, whether they're in um, you know, promotional products or real estate or whatever it might be. So we do, we join these coalitions. It's to really strengthen small businesses position and represent the thoughts and the needs of small businesses. And we've been relatively successful. Um, there are 28 million small businesses in the United States. That's and I think small business is um, defined as up to a thousand employees and there's some revenue number on that. 28 million small businesses. And, and we can't forget that it's small businesses that are the backbone of our economy. Good times, bad times, rebuilding, it's gonna be on the backs of small businesses. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's such a great reminder for people who are listening about you know, where they might even look for additional opportunities. You know, think about some of those small businesses that are providing um, valuable services right now and are still open and still operating and, and considered essential. Well, you think about the, um, the cost of our products. What do we have? An average order size of somewhere between $750 and $1,000. Every one of those small businesses can afford promotional products. They're virally distributed. Hate to use the word viral right now, probably a bad <laughs> choice of words. Um, they're easily distributed. They, um, you know, they support the local communities. These small businesses can't afford the Super Bowl ad or the, um, you know, the TV commercial or even in some other case, B2B and B2C publications, but they can afford promotional products to, to generate activity, to recognize, to reward their employees, their customers. So we are the, um, we are a medium that is primed for that constituency. Um, I want to shift gears here a little bit, Paul. Um, you know, last week, the association hosted a, a diversity, equity, and inclusion forum. You know, and, and from my perspective, I think the industry has a really unique opportunity to promote inclusivity, diversity, and, and to take specific actions to make that a reality for the industry uh, broadly. From your perspective, what role can the association play to really facilitate awareness? And then why is it important to, to companies right now? Well, I, I think that there's two or three different facets to this conversation. Um, first of all, 
we are not reflective of the broader community as an industry we're not reflective of the broader community that we serve um you know you, you don't have to go too far just go to one of our industry trade shows look at the the leadership of our companies and and you'll see that we are not reflective of a population that's incredibly diverse so we have that challenge and 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 when i say challenge it's also an opportunity for us because maybe we're underserving communities that could really benefit from us because we don't look like and act like and and deliver in ways that they're expecting us to or that they want us to so we have that standpoint and then we have actually as employers within our own businesses we could do better to be more reflective of the diversity in the communities that we we live so the program that we put together was about those two things how to become a more inclusive employer how to embrace what's happening around us and make it part of our industry the association by and large clay has never really played a role in that but we've been um we've been reminded today more than ever of that great quote and i've and i've used it in some of my communication by Maya, Maya Angelou, do the best you can until you know better, then when you know better, do better. We all know better now. We, we cannot pretend not to be touched by the scenes, by the struggling, by the, by the inequities and the injustices that have been in place. We, we would be foolish to, to not recognize that these are real issues and we would be even more foolish not to take action. And that's where the association's position is on this. And I have to tell you two years ago, three years ago, you probably wouldn't have heard an asso the association PPAI speak in, in those direct terms, but it calls for us to be speaking in those terms. Um, there is injustice that needs to be addressed, and we will do our part to help bring it to light and make the changes that need to be changed. Yeah, great. Well, thank you for, for doing that, and thank you for stepping into that area. I think it's critically important socially, and I think our industry, like you said, I think there is a, an opportunity to serve some of the underserved areas. Absolutely. Even if we just look at it um, from a, a truly commercial aspect. Mm -hmm. um, we will be better business people for doing this. If you take out the whole social side of it, the personal side of it, commercially only, we would benefit from it. But it's much broader than that. It's more yeah. than a commercial issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you've, you've written recently about PPAI Expo happening in January. What significant changes can can attendees expect? And, and do you, are you still anticipating January to, to go forward? Well, we are. We're anticipating January, but know that we will not run the event if we think that it puts any burden or undue risk on people. So that that needs to be stated up front from the association standpoint. If we if we cannot run it in January, if we should not run it in January, we will we will not run it in January. When we get there, um, when when people experience the expo, it will be different. We will take whatever the guidelines are for gatherings of groups um, and we will go beyond that that will be our baseline 
So whether that means that we're doing temperature checks like they're doing at airports right now or at hotels, whether that means we physically distance, we, we will put those um, activities in place. We've coined the phrase actually health fatality, um, you know, health and hospitality. And it's, it's really to talk about the number of steps that we're taking to make people feel confident about coming to the expo. So we've changed the show from three days to two days because we wanted to relieve the financial burden on people traveling, days, entertainment. We've, we've extended the hours on both days so that we can have uh, people spread out a little bit more during the day instead of having it compressed into a regular show schedule. We've, we've made the footprint of the show smaller. So what was normally a 3000 booth show, we are capping at 1500 booths. And that'll also give us more opportunity in that million square foot convention center to, to have people spreading out and, you know, just to really anticipate what things might look like six months from now. Whatever the guidelines are leading into January of 2021, that will be our minimum and we will go further. I, I know that that sounds a little bit um, still out there thinking about that as we have, you know, as we hit July 1st, we're seeing spikes in certain cities and we're seeing the, you know, the, the, an increase in COVID testing, but that's six months from now, which is like twice as long as we've actually been dealing with the pandemic. So um, we will play it by year. We will be careful, we will be cautious, we will be mindful of where people are at that time. But even in the announcement of Expo, we've gotten resounding positive feedback about our willingness to want to run the show. We will, we will do that with obviously health and safety in mind. Right, and, and Paul, so we're gonna ask you the crystal ball question here. So- Oh boy. What does the industry look like by January of 22, that's, I know that's 18 months away and it seems like now a lifetime, but if you were gonna make some predictions, what, what do you think those would be and what, what are we gonna look like? Clay, I, I, I position the saying I've never made a promotional product and I've never sold a promotional product. So, um, but I do get to talk to people who do that every single day. And we recently had a group together, um, about 25 industry leaders, on a call and we asked them some of those very specific questions. Um, the industry will be smaller. The predicted right now we're at 20, well, I shouldn't even say right now, in, um, in February, January, we were at $25 billion industry. We'll be somewhere between 15 and $18 billion industry. That's a pretty significant drop, 30 to 40%. Um, I believe there'll be less suppliers and less distributors in the industry. Although um, I think the impact is gonna be harder on suppliers than distributors. Um, I don't think it's gonna be necessarily the, you know, a, a big supplier gobbling up other suppliers. I think that we're just gonna have a lot of smaller companies go away, that they're, they're just not going to be able to be viable in this marketplace. We have that during many recessions that we've experienced we've had that the distributor side is is a little bit more interesting 
ab distributors are incredibly resilient and, and especially because most of them are smaller businesses, they have the ability to be a little bit more flexible or even go dormant for um, a longer period of time. So in 1998, when I joined the industry, um, there were about 22,000 distributor companies. Um, in 2019, we had, you know, 20 years later, we had about 22,000 distributor companies. So it's a resilient lot. Um, I think there'll be more churn. But the industry will be smaller. And I think things like masks and sanitizers and decals and signs are going to be um, more prominent in our industry. Um, if you go back 20 years, 2001, 9-11, we became a world that focused on global terrorism. And our industry actually responded to that with, with um, remembrances and products of things that reflected what that world looked like, whether, you know, and we've all changed to that. We've had, you know, TSA and the requirements and what it takes to get into somebody's building now and make a sales call. I think the future, the next decades are going to be focused on global health. And, and I think that our industry has a place at that table to help keep people safe and productive and recognized and rewarded in the things that we've always done. So we'll be smaller a year from now, um, but we will be present because we are needed. Yeah, absolutely. And I 100% agree with you. It will be smaller. You know, we're, we're seeing some fragility, um, you know, weakness in sales, certainly. And I don't know that every company out there right now can survive. Um, and they will, you know, change and, and morph and maybe do something else or combine with someone else and go forward from there. It is an opportunity for industry growth, though. And I, I don't think we could forget, we, we shouldn't forget that. There are going to be opportunities to serve your clients in different ways. I mean, just think about the work from home and how, and how companies are still going to want to engage their employees and engage their customers. You know, just because a, a, a business isn't holding a meeting or an industry isn't holding a convention, that doesn't mean that people do not want or need to interact. And I think we have a place at that table. We very consciously, Clay, talked not talked about um, social distancing. We've, we've tried to use the term here at the association, physical distancing, because we, we don't want to, to not engage socially. So we've been thinking at it as, of it as how do we physically distance but still socially engage? And I think our products, our industry, our members have an ability to, to serve that. How do we get people socially engaged with each other through our products, even if we're not physically um, in the same place? Well, and, that, and that's such a great, really a great takeaway from this conversation, you know, as a, as a promotional products distributor listening, you know, be thinking about that, you know, how do you keep your, your customer and their customers with them engaged? Yeah, I have um, 60 employees that are in some um, stage of work from home. And it's more important for me now to keep them engaged in what they're doing and with the organization and let them know how much we appreciate them during this difficult time. We're just doing it differently than, you know, it was a lot easier when I used to be able, you know, to get the cupcake truck pulled up to the front door and let everybody know how much I appreciate it. 
can't do that now. But we're finding ways to engage them at home in different ways. And, and in two cases, we've used promotional products. We've sent them books already. We've sent them um, branded puzzles, just things that, that occupy time, let them know we care, let them know we're thinking about them. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Paul, thank you for the conversation today. Uh, thank you for your leadership in the industry and for, for how much uh, you and the association have given back and, and served us during this time. Very much appreciated. Well, I appreciate you, Clay, and all the folks at Today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to On Air with AIA. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and visit AIACommunity.com to join the conversation and access the show notes. Until next time, be boldly you.